this series that Paul alluded to earlier, it's going to be in John, where John talks about light and darkness and how God is light and how he shines in our darkness. But the darkness is real. We experience it on a regular basis. And I think it's important for us to realize and, and call it what it is. Darkness is ugly. Darkness is heavy. Some slides I want to share with you that uh, come to mind as I think about the darkness we experience. The first one that I think of is shame. We experience shame in darkness. This is shame of addiction. Could be for our own selves as we are struggling with habits that are absolutely horrible for us. It could be the shame of loved ones who are succumbing to addictions. But it's not just that. It's feelings of inadequacy. It's all kinds of things where shame just tears you down and wants to cause you to hide more and more and more in the darkness. I think of abuse and people who are suffering at the hands of others who choose to use their free will to cause pain and harm to another. I think of neglect. I think of being at the wrong place at the wrong time and experiencing great pain. I think of death, the loss of a loved one. Perhaps it was a life well-lived and somebody who will be greatly missed or a life cut short. Never should someone have to say goodbye that soon. I think of violence, not only here in Billings, as I think about the atrocities that have happened and things where people have done great harm to another. But if you flip on the news, it's all too quick that you start to hear about the violence going on in the Middle East, violence going on in Africa, violence going on all over the world, and you realize really quickly that we are in a world of darkness and we personally experience darkness, even in the midst of a holiday season. But when I think about how John wrote his gospel and the excitement that he certainly had along with Isaiah and others, he was very well aware of this darkness, but there's a certain darkness that also had a little bit of light in it. And it's this next picture. This next picture where you see that many would see this and even if they weren't Christian around John's time, they would know that this is darkness as it is Rome's capital punishment to shame those who would live a life of the person hanging on this cross. But to the Christians who saw their Lord and Savior hanging on this cross, this was not a symbol of darkness for very long. But three days later, this became one of the best symbols of light. As new life had just been won, death had been conquered, and the consequences of sin were expunged in exchange for new creation as forgiveness was brought into the world. You see what this picture shows me is that God doesn't leave us in our darkness, but instead for the joy that was set before him, he stepped down from heaven and endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus loved us. God loved us so much that he wasn't willing to leave his creation in the darkness. And so that brings us to the series that we're going to be starting in in John, where we get to look at Christ's light for our lives. So uh, grab your Bibles, if you would. Uh, turn to John chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab one of the red Bibles there in front of you. Uh, and especially if you don't have a Bible, I would like to invite you, take this Bible home with you. Feel free to mark it up in today's service uh, because we desire for each and every person here to have a Bible. It is God's word to us, and we certainly view it as a lamp unto our feet, a light amidst the darkness. 
Uh, but we're going to be reading out of John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And before we get there, I think it's important to understand why did John ever write his gospel? Uh, if you've ever had to write for any reason, if the last time it was uh, perhaps during school or maybe your job requires a lot of writing, you know that it's not necessarily a fun thing to do. Uh, those of you who enjoy writing, Lord bless you. Um, but no, it, it, he is incredibly motivated because he has a story to tell that he wants others to know. And in John uh, chapter 20, verse 31, he states the purpose of his gospel. He says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is very purposeful. He is very concise, as we're going to find out here very quickly. And he's visual and he's graphic, and his words are powerful. So I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, uh, and then after we read that, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll work through this uh, verse by verse. So uh, let's read John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Lord, I thank you so much for tasking John with this incredible opportunity to share the light that he witnessed in his life as he followed you day in and day out. God, I pray as we study this passage, Lord, would you cause it to come alive in our hearts as you cause it to come alive here just today for me. God, I thank you so much for how your words are powerful and they are light unto our feet, even in the darkest of night. God, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, so a lot is packed in these five verses. If you are a Bible nerd like me, you see these things and you start thinking Trinity, you start thinking all kinds of different stuff and it gets really exciting. But uh, because we do have to end today and not sometime next year, I wanna make sure uh, that we just follow two major themes that I'm seeing here uh, to kind of guide our study. The first one is this. You see the, the word, word, repeated over and over and over again. Uh, I think it's important to look at who or what is the word. Why is John choosing to use that as the driving phrase here for the first couple of verses? Uh, I think we're going to see really quickly that the word is Jesus. So I want to ask the question, who is Jesus? According to this passage that we're seeing here, who is Jesus? The next thing that I want us to, to look at is he uses the word light quite a bit as well. And so I want to know um, what does John mean by using the word light? Uh, and I think we'll notice that light helps us understand not just who God is, but what it is that Jesus does uh, for us, for them, and their time. Uh, so we're going to look at these two things. So we'll start there with the word, and then we'll go uh, to light after that. So starting with the first two verses, we have this. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the very first fill-in that you have there underneath the word in your bulletin, uh, go ahead and put in the beginning. Those three words, in the beginning. Uh, you'll notice that John is being very purposeful with these three words here because these three words happen to be the exact same three words as you would find in Genesis 1.1. Uh, he's doing this because he's purposely showing us that in the beginning before there was anything that was created at, in eternity past, which is a fancy way to say 
there was no beginning. There always was. And the before time when there was just nothing that was created, there was God and Jesus, the word, he existed in the beginning. At the very, very front before all things were created in the beginning was God. Uh, your next fill-in is what comes next. John purposely repeats this twice, and that is the phrase, was with God. So you have in the beginning, now we have was with God. Now John does this on purpose because he's trying to help us understand who the word is and its relationship to God the Father. You see, Christians are weird. We believe in this thing called the Trinity. We have three in one. So we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And John is trying to make this really clear that Jesus wasn't just a person, that was created around Christmas time. But in fact, Jesus was with God. Now this with is, is interesting. It's not just a with as in I was with a stranger in line waiting to check out with all of my food at Winco for a long time, but I didn't know anything about that person. This is a with as in the kind of friends that when you hang out together, you don't even have to speak a word and you probably know what's going on in their minds because you know each other so well. It's a personal, intimate relationship. The word was with God. Their relationship, their unity was perfect. And the last fill-in that I have for you under uh, the word, so the third one, is was God. You'll notice this, that he purposely is, is being very particular with his phrasing. He says the word was with God and the word was God. Was is really important. It's helping us understand that it's not that Jesus had godly attributes or godly qualities. It's not that Jesus was a quality of God. Instead, it's very, very clear to say that the person, this word, this logos, it's in the beginning was with God and in itself was God, equal with God the Father. This is interesting. Because the way that we see John setting up his gospel, he's being very, very clear. He would have been setting apart what he's saying from every other religion in the world and congruent with this Jesus movement that's been happening. He's making it really clear. Jesus is not just a good teacher, but he is God. Which is really good because I don't know if you have ever either been a parent or been on the receiving end of a parent who has ever told you to stop doing something that's driving them nuts and then it doesn't stop. Recently, I had this happen where um, we were eating and, and Maverick was smacking Pierce uh, with some food. And I was like, Maverick, stop. And he looks at me and goes, <laughs> I laugh at it now. Then I was like, oh! <laughs> the God who created the world spoke things into existence. Didn't exist, spoke it, it happened. It suddenly existed. Philip was annoyed at the dinner table with his son who was smacking his other son and said, son, stop it. Son goes, I don't have authority. Jesus does. This is important because we live in a dark world with very real pains and very real hurts. And these things are heavy and they don't just get changed by saying, stop it! It'd be nice if they did, but they don't. And so we need somebody, we need someone who is incredibly powerful who with the words from their mouth can change reality. We need God. Okay, so we have the word. Now, uh, let's go to verse three and learn a little bit more about the word here. So in verse three, it says, through him, all things were made. And then inversely, he continues to say, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, before we get into the rest of this, I want us to notice the pronoun that was used. Did you guys see it? It says him. 
Okay, so again, if you weren't a Christian reading this, at this point you would probably be confused about who he's talking about because so far he's been referring to the, the uh, person of the sentence as the word. And so you might use the pronoun it because the word is not a person. The word is just uh, it's a noun. So you just say it. But here he says him. And you'll find out that if you go down to verse 14 in John chapter 1, it says that the word became flesh. John is very, very clear to say even from the get-go, before Jesus is, takes on flesh, that Jesus is a person, that the word is a person. It's a him. Okay, this is important for two different reasons. One, because this means that Jesus existed before he ever took on flesh, which means that he was in heaven with God in perfect unity, and he chose to give all of that up for you and me. That's amazing. Because he did that when I still had all my mistakes to make. While I was still absolutely living in darkness, being crushed by it and perpetuating it in other people's lives, he was willing to step down from heaven into life here on earth. That's not an impersonable force. That's not a God who sets things up and then watches it burn. That's a God who creates things with love and then loves his people enough to say, I'm coming for you because I love you and I'm not going to give up on you. It's important. But he's not just a God of love. No, he's also a God of power. It continues to say that through him, all things were made. And then he really tries to pour onto us the, the gravity of this by saying, without him, nothing was made that has been made. In other words, John's saying, I'm not mincing words here. Everything that you know, everything that you experience, everything that exists is because, uh, is because of Jesus. Paul later writes in Colossians that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. In other words, Jesus is so powerful that not only did he speak the words into existence, but it is his power that holds all things together. That's a God you want on your side. That's a God you want coming for you in the middle of your darkness. But working with youth, I get wonderful questions, good challenging questions. So when I like go through this study and I plan on talking about this, uh, two questions naturally come up uh, that I will get asked all the time. The first one is, so does that mean that Jesus created darkness? Good question. Because if Jesus created darkness, that doesn't sound like a God you'd want to follow, right? The answer to that question is no. Jesus did not create darkness. Instead, what he did is he created human beings with free will. And at the beginning, our free will was used for good. We used our free will to glorify God and to obey him as he gave us commands and set up the world in a most beautiful and perfect and wonderful way. Until one day we decided we knew better and we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and there were consequences. In that moment, humanity created darkness. The next question then comes up. So why doesn't he just get rid of the darkness? Couldn't he have the power to get rid of the darkness? And this answer is a little bit tricky because at first the surface answer is, well, yes, yes, he absolutely has the power to get rid of darkness. In fact, if you read the Bible, he has the plan to get rid of darkness for all time, to do away with it. However, if you continue to read scripture, you'll also realize that scripture is very clear that it says that he loves us so much that he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, 
He is patient in get, getting rid of the darkness because to get rid of the darkness means to get rid of the ones who are creating the darkness. It means to get rid of any and all humans who are not forgiven, cleansed, and made brand new in a saving faith and relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll tell you this, I'm really glad that he hasn't gotten rid of the darkness when I was a high school student. Because boy, was I trapped in darkness. I was in terribly adulterous relationships. I was lying. I was profaning. I, I, I was doing all kinds of things that were both spreading darkness and burying myself further and further in darkness. And Jesus absolutely could have gotten rid of the darkness in that moment, and I would have been gone. But praise God, he didn't. And what's really cool is that rather than me having to make the first step, Jesus already made the first step by taking on flesh and coming to this earth to die on that cross so that I might have life. The word is powerful. So the word is from the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. But what did he do? Let's read about it in verse four. It says this, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. I love John. He has all these L's and it's sweet. So let's look at light first. If you were to highlight light or underline it or put a box around it, whatever you want to do, I think this is really important and I want us to catch this. It says, in him was life. Life was the light of all mankind. So let's work this back a little bit because if you've ever seen a great light, it's really bright, especially when it's been dark for a while and your eyes are trying to adjust and I always want to know where the source is because I'm a curious bee. So, um, you see light, it's highlighted there. Let's, let's work our way backwards and see where the source is. So it says light, or it says life was the light. So draw a little arrow back to life so we know that light is the life. And then where does the life come from? If we draw another arrow from the second life to the first life, we realize it's, the life is in him. Well, who's the him? If you're like arrows, you can go all the way back to realize that him is the word. But Jesus is the source of light. So actually your first fill-in under light is going to be Jesus is the source. Jesus is the source. That's your first fill-in underneath light. This is incredibly important because for whatever reason in our own lives, a lot of times we cling to darkness, sometimes without even meaning it. I'm going to share that here in a little bit, how it's been really difficult for me this season and some darkness that's been coming my way, but also and my own decisions that have drawn me closer to darkness. But we need to understand that Jesus is the source of light. And if you have any desire to live within the light, if you have any desire to have reprieve from the darkness closing in on you, you gotta go to the source. You gotta go to Jesus. Okay, let's continue reading. Uh, we see that here that says, uh, of all mankind... So this is really important. Uh, it doesn't say of some mankind. Uh, it says of all mankind. This light that is coming into the earth is for everybody. This is really good news for you and me because how many of you, you are a pure Jewish heritage? Anybody? Pure Jewish heritage. Okay. Um, unless I'm missing it, I'm not seeing any hands. So good news for all of us. Um, the Messiah didn't come just for the original chosen people, the Israelites. He came for all of mankind which means that myself and all of us in the seats here today, Jesus and the light that he offers is for you. It also means that it's not for the people who deserve it. And let me tell you, I am not somebody who deserves his light or his forgiveness. I've made all kinds of mistakes. I've hurt all kinds of people. I fall short time and time again. 
I'm not deserving. But thank God that the one who created us loves us so much that he pursues us. Let's keep reading. In verse 5, it says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Notice here that he switches from using past tense verb Uh, verbs to present tense. He now says shines, actively happening right now. Not that it happened a while ago and it maybe continues, but happening right now, actively shines. This is your second fill-in under light. Shines in the darkness. It's there on the screens. Shines in the darkness. Darkness. You see, again, we know that Jesus, he didn't simply just create this world and then say, sorry, you guys screwed it up. Welcome to natural consequences. This is how I set the world up. If you're going to do this, you get what you deserve. Instead, he is actively stepping into our darkness, shining bright that we might have life and forgiveness. Now notice this, and this is really, really important because Satan and the, the powers that be would love to see us not catch this point. Uh, but your last fill-in in the last part of this verse says this, the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to say that one more time. It's your last fill-in uh, under light. The darkness has not overcome it. Nothing on this planet Nothing can overpower or overcome the light that Christ emanates. Nothing. I thought that that was a pretty important word, overcome, and so I wanted to know more about what it meant, and so I looked it up, and what John is using here, it's very purposeful, because he had plenty of words to use that would have been like, you know, that um, the light is victorious, or the light cannot be defeated, or things like that. But instead, he, he uses a word uh, that kind of has a double meaning, and I think he means it, both meanings on purpose. Uh, one is that the darkness can't understand the light, uh, and then the other one is, and this is how it is in our Bible, is that the darkness cannot overcome it. And I think what he means is this, the darkness... Is, is the opposite of Christ's light. And so those who are living in the darkness cannot even comprehend the life that Jesus is offering to them. And that the, the nature of the darkness is so opposite of the light that Christ offers that it, it, it's separate. It's, it's, the darkness itself cannot understand the light. But then equally, at the same time, darkness is incapable of overcoming it. In fact, by the nature of what it is, darkness is simply the absence of God's presence, the absence of God's will done. It is rebellion. It is sinfulness. It is going against the Lord, running the opposite way. And so by nature, when Jesus arrives, when he advents, light overcomes darkness. So what does this all mean? It means that Jesus shines in our darkness. Now that sounds super churchy, right? Jesus shines in the darkness. Yay, that's another Hallmark card. (laughs) I'll be sure to send that to my person who's really hurting right now. They'll love it. 
But guys, this is a real God who really lived and really shines actively today. What does this look like in our lives? This means our shame is taken in exchange for glory. This means that when Philip was ashamed as a high school kid of the things that he had done, Jesus took me where I was at and said, I'm gonna make you brand new. And he exchanged my shame for glory. And I got to share my story with a totally different view because I got to say, look, I was this way and then Christ made me this way. I was living in darkness and now I'm living in light. He takes our wounds and he heals them and he makes us brand new. Death no longer becomes a period, it becomes an ellipsis. Darkness to light. Jesus is the source of our light. A little bit through this message, I've been sharing about how I've had kind of a harder week. Um, I, I gotta be honest, this sermon was really difficult to prepare because it was one of those where, as I read the Bible, I get it up here in my head, but there wasn't really anything going on in my heart. And that was hard because I realized that if there's nothing going on in here, then I probably actually don't get it up here. And it was because I realized that um, I've been neglecting my Bible reading in the past couple of weeks, like my regular Bible reading. Uh, it's in addition to prepping for sermons, I need to spend time with the Lord like we all do. And I had neglected it because life got busy and that's not an excuse to say like, okay, so I didn't need to do it. It's an excuse to say, this is what happened to me. Perhaps you can level with me where sometimes life gets so busy that certain good habits, they start to fall away. Um, this time last week, I was at the funeral for my grandpa. His name is Baxter, and I loved him dearly. He was a role model to me, a Christian man, loved his wife really well, loved my dad really well. And uh, he's the kind of guy that the widows that lived around him knew when he would come by because he regularly made sure to go and to check on them and to fix the sink or whatever it might be, to have conversation with them. He was an incredible man. He was patient towards his wife who started to develop dementia. My grandma in the past year has really developed uh, some really bad dementia. And so as a family, we were kind of bracing for her to pass and he worked tirelessly to get things set up for her. And then sure enough, once everything was set up, he had a heart attack and then another one and then another one. And he went from being incredibly healthy to on his last few days. And I got to fly out to meet with him before he passed. And he was an incredible role model. And what's incredible is that the entire way through, he let his light within him shine despite the darkness that was closing in on him. Death was not a period to Baxter. It was an opportunity to share to the nurses and the caretakers and the cute old ladies that were living right next to him about the joy that he had in Christ. Last week at the funeral, <clears throat> my dad got to conduct the service because he happens to be a pastor and they, my grandma asked for him to do it. And so he said yes. And I want to share this picture with you of that service where I'm listening to my dad and, and he's talking through his grief and tears start to roll down my eyes and I don't know if my boys and Paisley noticed it or if God just nudged him 
but as tears started to roll down my face, they stopped watching cars and Paisley stopped eating her toy (laughs) and they crawled over to me. And I'll never forget what my dad said at this service. He shared about how he clings to the light of the Bible verses that he memorized as a child. He clings to them as the source of light amidst the darkness that he is in. And it brings him hope and understanding and peace. Did it bring Baxter back when he recalled these Bible verses as a kid? (laughs) No. Did it suddenly make the grief disappear? No. But did it change the way that it was affecting my dad and the way that he processed this grief? You betcha. Yeah. You see, these Bible verses that he memorized as a kid and held with him to this day, they weren't just words in a fictional book that was on a flannel graph somewhere that made him happy as a kid. They weren't just words on a get well card that he just really, man, that stuck out to him. They were words from the Bible penned by human authors, breathed by God that carry the same power that created the heavens and the earth. And in that moment, in his grief, they were bringing him light. God's words are powerful. I want you to imagine for a second like you're living life in a tunnel. This is gonna sound odd, but work with me here. Can we bring down the house lights? Would that be all right, Gabe? If we could bring the house lights down, I want you guys to imagine for a moment that your life is in a tunnel and the the darkness that surrounds you is all of the pain and the hurt and the suffering that's going on in life. And the light at the end of the tunnel, that little dot on the screen, that's Christ shining in your life. Now the darkness that surrounds, it's difficult and you're bumping around and it's, it's it's hurting, it's painful. It's, It's the pains of life that are closing in. And you see what's incredible about Christ and his love and the way that his light shines is that normally you would have to walk to the end of that tunnel and keep your eye on the prize and keep going and trudge through in order to find the light at the end of the tunnel. That's usually how the saying goes. But the reality is, is Christ comes to you. Christ comes to me. He doesn't wait for us to make the first move. And so what he does, he says, I love you and I am coming to you. And the closer that he gets, the light, the more that the light shines brighter and brighter and the more that the darkness that surrounds you starts to disappear and fade away. Because Christ is with you. And I want you to get this. That there is life and the light that Christ has to offer. My dad lived this. Baxter lived this. And I missed it this week. I was processing the grief of losing my grandpa. I was trying to figure out how to get my kids into an airplane and then off the airplane and then through the airport and then to the rental car and then to the Airbnb so that we could get ready to go to the funeral and then trying to make sure that my wife was doing what she needed to do and then also realizing like, crud, you're also a a husband and a father. So like, it's not just a checklist. So you need to love your wife and you need to care for your kids and love them and show compassion. And then we get home and then it's, we have one day of work before you try to get all your responsibilities in a week done in one day. And then we got uh, Thanksgiving and now we got to make sure everything's ready for Thanksgiving. And then, hey, you forgot to be the husband 
husband and father again, so you're already messing up. And then all the while, as the darkness is closing in of stress and anxiety and feeling like I've lost a dear friend and mentor, I realize I've neglected my daily readings. Rather than going towards the light, I was focusing on the darkness. Rather than clinging to the source, I was becoming overwhelmed with the darkness. And guys, I gotta be really honest with you. I didn't realize that until 3 a.m. this morning when I'm pretty convinced it was God who woke me up, but otherwise you could argue that it was like a panic attack. I wake up at three, feeling a little bit anxious, but I hear this still, calm voice in my head that said, Philip, be with me. This morning at 3 a.m. Normally when I wake up at 3 a.m., I am groggy and I am aggravated that I am up at 3 a.m. This morning was different. Yeah, my heart was pounding. I was a little bit stressed, but I was fully awake and I felt very clear. That still, calm voice, Philip, I love you. Come back. I didn't make the first step. God did. And so starting at 3.45 in the morning and coming until now, I said, here I am, Lord. And his light washed over me. That's the best I could try to describe it as God started to change my demeanor, my perspective, my thoughts. My heart was put at ease. A peace came. It was almost like God was saying, go towards the light, which I thought was hilarious because Baxter, my grandpa, he had a funny sense of humor that was exactly like this. And I think he absolutely would have said, I'm going to the light, Philip. I'd be like, but grandpa, no. He's like, well, it's heaven. And you're like, okay, well, can't argue with that. <laughs> but that's what I have for us today. That's what God had for me this morning was, Philip, go towards the light. I am the light. I am the life. Come to me. But what's great is at the same time that he's saying that, he's not sitting there from a distance asking me to come. No, he's pursuing me. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. So question, here's the challenge. Go towards the light. The question is, how do you do that? How do you go towards the light? Here's my challenge. I'm learning this from my dad. I'm learning this from others. Going towards the light is literally going to scripture and reading it on a daily basis. I felt the effects this week of not going to this on a daily basis and the darkness that started to close in as I was going away from the source of light. Don't go away from the light. Go towards it. How do you do that? Newsflash, Jesus is currently still in heaven. That's why Advent. So you can't walk there, but you can read his word. And again, this isn't just a book of fiction. This isn't just a book of stories that are encouraging. This isn't just a book penned by man. No, this is the words of God, the very words that were used to create all things and hold all things together is in this book. And they have the power to bring us light and life in our lives. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. In your bulletin, you saw this uh, little calendar sheet. Go ahead and grab that real quick. It's got green on one side, and it's got a calendar on the other side. Starting December 1st, I want to challenge us as a whole church throughout this series, let's have this daily reading together, where each day we are going to the source of light and reading from it. 
pondering it. If you feel so challenged to do so, maybe memorize it. If you're like me, that might require you to actually memorize by accident through repetition. But wherever you want to post these verses so that it might become a part of your daily schedule this month, let's go to the source of light together. If you're online, Brent will have just posted this link and you can check it out there. If you are somebody that doesn't like paper, you can find it on our website. But let's read these verses together as we come to the source of light. Scripture is powerful. God used words to create all things. God used words to bring you and I light. Let's not forget that. They're not just words that fall and, don't, and return void. Instead, they are words that can change you and I from the inside out. Do you find yourself in darkness? Go towards the light. It's simple, but it requires sacrifice. It requires your time. I'm gonna pray for us and then I'll end with a couple of announcements. Lord, I thank you so much for being a light, for being life, for stepping into our darkness, for overcoming it. Lord, I thank you for being a God who is both incredibly powerful and incredibly loving. A God who is capable of holding all things together in the palm of your hand and at the same time you are personal and you know us intimately. God, I thank you for exchanging our darkness for light. With all eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to invite you, if you would like to receive the light that God has to offer you today, in a moment I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. And this is for people that would both be first time you've never experienced the light of Christ. You've never given your life to him. Said, I believe I receive the forgiveness of my sins. I want the life that you would have for me. This is also for people that maybe you have already committed your life to Christ. But you would like in this moment to be freed from the darkness that you find yourself in. I want to invite you to raise your hand now. If you would like to start living in that light, you would like to receive that light. I see you. I see you. I see you. The Lord sees you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord God, I thank you so much for meeting us right where we're at in the darkness that we are in. Lord, for everyone who raised their hands and for those who wanted to but didn't, God, I pray that they would experience your light today, that today they would declare, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died in my place, and that he rose to life three days later, conquering sin and death, conquering darkness, and winning for us eternal life, winning for us light. God, I pray for the immense darkness that they are feeling that are closing in on them or weighing heavy. God, I pray that your life would cast those things out. Lord, would you exchange their shame for glory? Would you exchange their wounds for healing new creation? Would you free them from the bondage of sin, of addictions? Lord, would you bring them peace?
Lord, for all of us in this room today, I pray that you would call us to yourself just like you met me this morning early. Each day, Lord, would you meet us and call us to yourself. Help us to keep the discipline of reading your word each day, coming to the source of light, going towards the light. It's in your name we pray. Amen.